Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everybody now. Yeah, yeah. Rock your body now. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. You know what I was listening to? What? Shaggy. It wasn't me? You're my angel, you're my darling angel. Can I know that? No one knows Something that bit is. No one knows what that bit is. Closer than no. my peeps you are to me, baby. <laughs> you know, no one knows that bit. Shadow Harding on. Yeah, I don't think even you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the first ever album I bought was Shaggy. What? And first ever single was The Baja Man. Who let the dogs out? Ooh. I was like Ooh, 15 at that time. Oh, Why are you not yeah, buying? No, you're it? old, man. No, you're, you're two old... years younger than me. You're old. Why are you not buying like a Spice Girls or a Boy Zone or something like that? And that came later. Westlife. I was a cool kid, man. I'm flying without wings. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I don't know. That was it. Yeah, how good you are. Yeah, that, that was, was it. Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Friday episode of Private Parts. Very, very exciting episode today. Mm. Great episode today. It is very inspiring, very, uh, I mean, the his story is, is epic. epic. The his story? The history or his story? His story and the history of his story yeah. Um, is, yeah, phenomenal. Like what he went through. I mean, Unbelievable. I was, it kind of like disarmed me a little bit when I was listening to it. I was like, Jesus. Well, it's just incredible. <laughs> so we have Ed Jackson on the podcast today. Ed Jackson dived into a swimming pool and became paralyzed from the head down. And with the power of himself, his mind, the will to just be resilient and to just push through it, he managed to walk again. Mm. Well, it was mostly his desire to get a sausage roll from Gloucester <laughs> yeah. Services, wasn't it? A lot of, lot of chat about Gloucester Services, Gloucester Roll, which apparently is one of the greatest he actually, sausage rolls. He actually sent me a photo. He oh. sent me a photo as well. Oh, I thought it was just me. He sent a photo of the sausage roll. Yeah, yeah. If anyone has been to the Gloucester services and got a sausage roll, apparently it's the greatest sausage roll in the world. Mm. Oh, should we, we should go there. Day trip. Yeah, listen. Hey. You listening? Hey, listen. Hey, I'm not going to do hey, it. Hey, but... listen. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey, come on. Okay. Ed Jackson on the podcast. Enjoy. I got told this, by the way, the other day. Uh, apparently, a question, if you're asked it, right, yeah. that can tell about who you are, is what type of sandwich you like. Okay. What do you like? So, well, Ed, what do you like? Go for it. Uh, you I, came, you like egg in yours or thing something. thing that came straight to mind was BLT, but I'm just a bit basic like that. And the other thing I found out the other day, do you know what club stands for? The club sandwich? Chicken lettuce under bacon. That blew my mind. That, that out. blew I didn't my... Know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's big. What would you have? I'm, so you have I'm, a BLT. That's lame, is anything? Yeah, I know. BLT. You can have anything you want. I'm not a big sandwich person. What, like I'd get, I like a hot sausage roll from Gloucester Services. I would, drive, I would drive to the M5 <laughs> to just go and get one of those things. You're yeah, lying. Yeah. You haven't lived until you've tried this that. This is saying a lot about you then. Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean? Wait, hang on. Wait, so it's the Gloucester 
server station yeah. Yeah. That, that you go in there. Is it a Greg sausage roll? Have you ever been there? No, it's like, this is the poshest service station you've been to in your life. It's a farm shop, <laughs> but it looks like the Teletubbies houses. And it's like this eco service station. And they've got a butcher in each side, a butcher's Whoa. in each side. So and there's, this, there's two butchers in one service station. Well, they have one going northbound, one uh, southbound. So you, you can do, order your meat on the way up. Do you do both? You're lying. Fucking lying. If this is a lie, that'd be quite impressive, wouldn't it? Hi, I, I ordered some ribeyes at uh, 9 a.m. this morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, so it's 9.01. Uh, <laughs> Wait, okay, so your go-to snack is a sausage roll. I've, that's changed again, isn't it? Go-to snack. My go-to motorway <laughs> snack is a sausage roll, yeah. When I'm on the move. Do you move. know what? Do you, you know what? No, hang on a second. You didn't claim it was that. You said sometimes I just drive to the <laughs> yeah, station. That's true. Well, technically I'm on the move. So I'll find an excuse. You've got a busy lifestyle of just <laughs> going around service stations, yeah. trying out sausage rolls. Do you know what? I yeah. love I love a sausage roll when I eat one, but I never go to get one. I don't. I, I'm not like tempted with like about sausage rolls, but when I actually do have one, I'm like, wow, these are amazing. Why don't I do it more? I've never have gone to get one until I went to Gloucester Services, and, and now then, I find myself there three times a week. <laughs> they start they start shuddering when they see you. Yeah. They're like, fuck's sake, it's back. What's your do you, What's your service? Do you do you, do you heat them up or have them cold? I prefer a hot sausage roll. Um, they never, I never leave it long enough to get cold because it, they're so good. There's a really weird like male mentality, which is basically where you get like mini hot chipolatas or something like that. You know how hot they are, but we throw them in our mouths and do that weird thing where we sound like little Santas. And we have to do it and so swallow. You're, you're there lobbing little mini hot chipolatas into your mouth and... <laughs> You sound mental. Okay, what sandwich do you have? Come right, on. So I, the first thing that came to my mind was the spicy tuna from um, Joe and the Juice. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know that It's one. good. It is good. That's like a, that's like like a, like a that's flat... A very, that's very middle class sandwich that is. <laughs> Sorry, coming from it's the bloke who goes to the butchers in the service station. It's sausage roll, mate. <laughs> There's a, oh, if you want a great butcher... Yeah, to you? be fair, to be fair. <laughs> I'll tell you what my one is. What? Egg. <sighs> egg mayonnaise. Immediately weird. Bacon. Yeah. And some chicken. I thought you were all about... In the same sandwich? Yeah. So you just like everything? <laughs> no, I like egg, bacon, chicken, and maybe lettuce. In that order? Yeah, and I like... And I also, so you're, you're greedy. It's not greedy. It's, He's that down to earth and I'm middle class. Is that, is that <laughs> what it means? Jesus. I don't think that's fair, actually. What did you used to eat when you, when you were training? Did you have like a strict diet? Um, no, just used to eat everything. I was, I was always struggled to keep the weight on for my position. I was always a bit small, I suppose. So just ate as much as I can and just lived in the gym. But the problem is... Wait, when and I, how tall are you? 6'4". Uh, are you a bit small for a number eight? I was 6'4 and I was 18 stone back then. And I looked a lot different, but still you've got all these Islanders coming over now who are like 20 stone. The normal weight of a rugby player has changed quite drastically. So I was just getting as much as I could in. You know what's good for you and what isn't. But at the same time, when you're just trying to get calories in... You need that size. Just calories, isn't it? Because, because at your story... Uh, and, do, and, and the first time we met was, <laughs> were we doing sport relief? Was that what we were doing? Yeah. We, well, you explained we were rowing no, together. it was definitely we? comic relief because if it was, it was, what we were doing was more comical than sport, wasn't it? <laughs> Trying to row. Um, we took it so competitively. We, we got into this, we basically arrived at this day for comic relief and we were, it was a rowing competition between Channel 4, Sky, ITV and BBC. And we were sitting on the Channel 4 boat, weren't we? Yeah. And... And before we even got in the boat, Carl Frosch, the boxer, challenged me to a three-minute ergo. What's that? <laughs> it's a, What's an ergo? It's, it's a rowing, rowing machine. Oh. And, and he went, 
ham. Like he went, he was the most competitive person I've ever come across. But then we did this rowing race and we won. Yeah, I mean, you're very competitive as well. I can I'm see really oh, like, You were like, you literally squared up to Carl Frost. I don't think you realised that he knocks people out for a living. He like beat you on the rowing machine and you squared up to him like, no, I won that. I was like, Jamie, relax, mate. This is not going to end well for you. Competitive? No. Well, you were sitting behind me, weren't you? You were sitting behind me in the rowing. All I could hear was, row, row. And I was slipping out of my seat and get her back in wrong. we like won me. though didn't we yeah exactly of course you did what's the guy that sits on the back and shouts I thought that'd be you the, yeah, the cop the cop the cop yeah. yeah you're a cop sits at the front I reckon but, but so we, we met there and um, I already knew about you already and, and we, be, we became friends there but your your story is pretty incredible inspirational and also sad at the same time can you explain it to everyone um yeah, so in brief, I suppose the bit you're t- I know the bit you're talking about. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not, uh, so I was born, <laughs> and this is my mum's name. Yeah. So start yeah, from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. The first time I went to Gloucester. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, even though those are the most important parts of my life. Um, yeah, I was professional, lucky enough to be a professional rugby player for mm. 10 years. Uh, played for Bath, Wasps, London Welsh, Dragons. But then in 2017, um, I was uh, recovering from a shoulder injury, went to a family friend's house for a barbecue mm. and effectively picked the wrong end of the swimming pool to dive into. Um, it was like a Shit. feature pool, had a waterfall in one end and I dived in with a waterfall, hit the water, thinking it was about eight feet deep or whatever and it turned out to only be three feet deep. Oh my God. And I hit my head so hard on the bottom, on the bottom of the pool that I dislocated the bottom of my neck. The disc in between the two vertebrae exploded and cut my spinal cord, lodged into my spinal cord basically. So um, there was a big bit of disc lodged in my spinal cord. That rendered me like completely paralyzed from the shoulders down like immediately. So I'm lying there staring at the surface of the water. First of all, like confused, like why can't I move? But then like, oh shit, I'm going to drown here. Um, Fortunately, my dad was in the pool and one of my mates, they saw what happened and realized something was wrong, came over and pulled me to the surface. But I, yeah, um, I'd had a really serious spinal cord injury. 45 minutes later, the ambulance came. On the journey between... From, from the pool to the hospital, I thought it took about 15 minutes. Um, found out a year later that my family were waiting for me to turn up for two and a half hours because the ambulance had to pull over three times to resuscitate me. Oh, oh my God. So, um, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. I've been. Why? why? Because, because water, because drowning or what? No, cardiac arrest from the spinal cord injury because it was such a high level. Basically, my heart stopped three right. times. So they had to resuscitate me. I don't really remember any of that. I just remember feeling sleepy. And then the next thing I knew, I was in the hospital. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I ended up. And I had a seven hour operation and then I, I was in intensive care for a couple of weeks. It was n- nine days. I still had no movement or sensation return. And they said that I was category Asia A1, which is the highest level of spinal cord injury. And I was never going to walk again and yeah. had to get used to life, you know, as a quadriplegic. And um, fortunately, as you can tell, as we sat here and we were in a rowing race, you know, things didn't transpire like that. I had a bit of a turning point after nine or 10 days and, decided I just need to do everything I could to try and get better instead of feeling sorry for myself. Um, not actually thinking anything would happen. Um, but 40 hours later it did. Um, my toe flicked and then bit by bit, um, my body came back to me to the point now I left hospital three months later in a wheelchair. Um, nine months later, I was standing, um, took my first steps. After a year, I climbed Snowden for charity and now I'm an adaptive mountaineer and um, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But I still have my spinal cord injury. You know, I'm, I'm just physically disabled down one side. 
got no sensation down the other side and I have all the underlying sort of complications that go along with it. So mm-hmm. bladder function, bladder, bowel, sexual function, temperature regulation, spasms, all of those sorts of things. But which, which would before, if you told me I'd get any one of those things, I'd have been like, fuck that, that's going to ruin my life. You know, even mm, the fact yeah. my left hand doesn't work or yeah. I can't sleep for more than two hours. But in context- You can't where, sleep more than two hours, you say? Yeah, just because my bladder and spasms and stuff. But you, you, the, the, it's all workable. And when you get, when you put it in context of where you should be and realize how lucky you are to be able to do any of this stuff in the first place, then you can live with it. It's all mm. just a perspective thing. So, um, and then I can drive myself to Gloucester to get sausage rolls, you know, which is kind of <laughs> which the main is the, thing. Which was the real. That <laughs> was the turning the, point yeah, after yeah. nine days. In You're like, well, actually, this is fucking fine. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this isn't a problem at all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we know how to motivate him. <laughs> Man, fuck. That's so. Oh, dude. Like. One of the scare. That must have been one of the scariest experiences. I, I can't even, can't even yeah. imagine. Do you know, what the, it the, it's, like. it's that moment that, um, you know, it almost makes you. That one moment in your life that you just do changes everything. Mm. That just one thing you're you're walking around. Oh, I just I that, that a lot of time what I would do definitely is um I would just think why why did I do that why do that that's what I would do. I think a lot of people do that. Did you go through that thinking why on earth did I do that? I hate it. Why why why? Yeah, you must play that moment. I would anyway play that moment again and again. Yeah, in my if head. only if, if only, only if only. Yeah, I did for the first week. And that was when I was lying in, in intensive care, staring at the ceiling. You know, I can't breathe for myself properly. I can't wash myself, can't feed myself, all of those things. Yeah. And then you're just thinking, why has this happened to me? Like, what does I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. What could I have done differently for it not to have happened? But then I realized I, spent, I was spending all of my time just worrying about all of these things that I had no control over mm-hmm. or had already happened. And like, they weren't going to benefit me in the long run. Wasn't going to benefit me lying there worrying about that stuff or thinking about what I could have done to change it. So I had to learn to be like, be present in that moment and do whatever I could right then and there to try and get better. And that was the turning point after like nine days. I just, I went from feeling sorry for myself lying there thinking I don't want to live anymore or, or what could I have done differently? This life isn't fair to then um, do it, saying to myself, looking at my mum and my wife, when the doctor said, look, you need to come to terms with the fact you're not going to be independent again. You're not going to walk again. <sighs> And thinking, this isn't just about me anymore. Like, this is going to affect their life as well for the mm. rest of their lives. And if I look back in six months' time and I, they're still caring for me and I'm still in this bed and I know I've cut corners and haven't tried and I've just been lying here feeling sorry for myself, I'll never be able to look myself in the mirror because it will have affected their lives too. But at least if I've done everything I can to try and get better and I still haven't improved, then it was out of my hands and I can live with myself. And that was all I, that was all I set out to do. That was a mindset change. I didn't actually think anything would happen. So when my toe flicked for the first time, it was like... Fuck, man. What is mad. that moment? But firstly, that's a unique mentality. Like a lot of people, I'm sure, and you've probably met a lot of people in similar situations or something happened to where... Because uh, hope is a killer sometimes. But you they have that mentality to go, no, at least I'm going to go and try. Where does that even come from? Well, I, I went through the victim mindset piece, you know, like and normal, that's normal. And I think for me, it was changing my reason why I wanted to get better. It was having that having moving the focus off myself feeling sorry for myself to onto the other people that this was going to affect and making that realization that was enough to spur me on to put the extra effort in i don't know how much of it is nature and nurture i see it it happen both ways people go one way or the other they don't you don't tend to get people who are like in the middle people either go extreme one way like post-traumatic growth or extreme the other way with like post-traumatic stress and you can understand both 
both sides. I mean, post-traumatic stress is more understandable than post-traumatic growth. Mm. Yeah. But what's um, post-traumatic growth? I like that saying a lot of post-traumatic growth. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Um, I think you kind of have a decision to make um, where it is like you can focus on all the negative things and let this thing eat you up and end your life effectively because there's so much change involved and, and it's hard to deal with. Or you can stop waiting for the knight in shining armor or someone to come and save you or for some magical thing to happen so it all gets taken back and just take control of it yourself and try and make the most of that situation because that's all you can do is make the most of a situation. And that's all I've tried to do since that moment. So a lot of people actually use a traumatic moment in their life as a springboard to go on and do loads of other stuff Yeah, because of that mindset change, because of that perspective thing. They realize how lucky they are to be alive. They realize life's short, so they just start saying yes to stuff. They follow their intuition, their gut a lot more. They don't get wound up by the little shit that used to annoy them before. Yeah. All of those little things just add to your life in loads of ways too. So if you don't go down, if it doesn't break you, it can make you in certain ways because of the mindset changes that happen. It's like, it's like a total reset almost, and you then view life through a completely different lens, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So what? Yeah, what things did you change? What were you? What were you? Like, like, why was I even caring about that? It wasn't even a. It wasn't a conscious change. Like, my whole identity was wrapped up in a rugby player. Like, that's all I'd ever done since I was younger. So losing that was really hard. And also, I lost three stone of lean muscle in the first three weeks because I couldn't move. So, like, yeah. I physically changed completely as well. So I felt. Sorry, like, is that how quickly muscle deteriorates? Atrophies. Yeah. If you don't, if it don't, don't move, can't twitch it or flex it at all. Yeah. If three you, weeks gone. Yeah, your body will your body will use muscle as an energy source before fat because it's more accessible if it's not being used. Mm. So, um, and it, luckily I was big enough at the time that by the time I started getting some movement back, I'd still retained enough muscle mass to then start my rehab. Whereas a lot of people have actually actually to the point where they've got, they've lost all their muscle mass and they then have to spend months trying to build up a bit of strength back so then they can start standing and stuff. Mm. But it's still, it was more of a mental thing for me. You know, I looked different. I felt different. Everyone had to do everything for me. Like that pride took a bit of a, took a proper battering. So basically everything got swept away in one go. And then it, the, since then it's been a process of like relearning and rediscovering who I am, what I really enjoy, what I'm passionate about, where can I find purpose in my life now? And that whole process of not being able to fall back on the stuff I'd always done has been amazing has been amazing for me because I've had to rediscover things. And actually I realized now that I was never sort of Ed Jackson, the rugby player. I was just Ed Jackson who played rugby. Mm. And now I can do loads of other stuff. And we're all so quick to put ourselves in these pigeonholes or society to put ourselves in these pigeonholes of this is what I do. That's because I've always only ever been able to do it. You know, whether you're, you know, you work in the city as a, as a banker, but it might be just because when you were younger, you liked your maths teacher a little bit more and then you ended up going down that route and now you think that's the only thing you can ever do and you don't want to jump out of it. But I think we're all so much more capable of 
uh, so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for as like human beings. Yeah, I mean, I, te- I, I definitely had for a long time where I thought I was just, I was like, this is who I am. I do a reality show. This is who I am, and and I couldn't even get away from it. And and actually, it just made it made me just feel, feel like I was like, what the fuck is this about? And and I thought that if I was ever going to you know leave it, it was going to be the worst decision ever because then what do I go and do? You see it lots in sports, in the army, in jobs, you know, all these different things. Yeah. Do, so would you say that you were you're happier now than you were before? Yeah, definitely. Really? Definitely. Yeah. And and. That that base level of happiness, my base level of happiness is a lot higher because I think the bar's shifted on what makes me happy. Mm. Before it used to take, you know, winning trophies or man of the match awards or whatever it might be, getting new contracts at clubs and things like that to make me happy. Now it's the fact that I can walk down the stairs in the morning or drive to Gloucester Services. Mm. You know, all of those sorts of things, you know, those things you used to take for granted. Yeah. Um, when they get taken away, often it's not until you lose stuff until you really start to appreciate it. And now I appreciate life a lot more. And also, I think I just don't get stressed by the small shit as much anymore. Like the things that used to wind me up. I realized I'd spend most of my life panicking or pissed off about stuff that A, I had no control over, or B, was completely inconsequential. Or even if it is con- was consequential, I couldn't do anything about it anyway. So once you remove those stresses from your life, you realize how much more room you've got to actually enjoy the things you're passionate about and take those leaps of faith. So, Fuck. Yeah. And how lucky were you or are you to walk again? That moment when your toe flicks? Because you said that my limited knowledge, you, you sever the spinal cord. Well, yeah. So what happened is the, the shard of disc had lodged in my spinal cord. So what would be 12 millimeters thick? was now six millimeters thick so there was still some attachment there mm. but after they do something called the asia test which is american spinal injury assessment just loads of pinpricks and sensation tests it takes like two hours they do it every day after your accident so after your um operation 24 hours 40 hours 72 hours and then after a week they make an assessment or a prognosis and i was given the prognosis i was category asia a1 which is the highest level basically you're a complete spinal cord injury and you're not going to make oh any recovery. my god um, that obviously wasn't the case because I have made some recovery. Yeah, so that's but, weird. They put that in your mind. Well, well, this is another big thing, right? You know, mm. it's, Why are they telling you that? If I lay there and I took that and I believed that, right? Mm. And I didn't have other people giving me hope or I didn't have this mo- outside motivation for a life I wanted to get back to, then I'd still be in that hospital bed because you've got to send the signals down. You've got to try. Um, but they want to cover themselves for litigation. It's just the way the NHS is set, the system yeah. set up. But that's fine for some operations. But when it's something neurological, the person has to buy into it and they have to believe it because your brain is I, the top end of your neurology. Yeah. We had some amazing doctors, physios, nurses. Like the NHS got me back on my feet. But the way it's all structured and the system set up is still a bit backward. And this is a big example of it. And I think they often treat the ailment or the injury physically but actually you've got to treat the human being and the person first as a whole kind as of, a whole. Yeah, yeah. And that mind body link is just so strong and so obvious. Like it's so obvious to me now, like my recovery would speed up and slow down depending on my, my mental Are you state. serious? It's that, it's, it's that I, I saw that this is crazy about the mind, right? I saw this um, <clears throat> thing where I, I watched this documentary, which is called something like 2300 personalities. And basically when uh, an individual has had a lot of trauma as a child, um, typically it's normally sexual abuse, right? They've had it as kids. What they do is they create hosts. So there's a, there's a movie called Split. I don't know if you've ever seen it, which is yeah. about a guy yeah, creating hosts. It's a, it's a true syndrome. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. And uh, so the brain, what they do is they create hosts. So they have Jamie as their normal person, but then they create Alex as a host for them or Ed as a host in their own mind. And they're different people. Sometimes they're older age, sometimes they're younger age, sometimes they're this, sometimes they're that. Um, but they did tests on the hosts and... 
For example, Jamie, me, who is a normal person, would drink orange juice to be fine. When they swapped into a host because they were protecting themselves and they drank orange juice, they'd have a severe allergic reaction to it. One person had diabetes and their host didn't. Another person was blind and didn't see it. It was the brain yeah. just doing that to themselves. That's how wild the brain yeah, can yeah. be. So you really believe that because you believed you were going to get better, that's what helped you? I think it definitely was, prob- was one of the biggest parts of me getting better. But I, but I also, I, I, but also, I didn't necessarily believe I was going to get better from mm. the start. I just knew I had to try so that I could live with myself. But then it was as it moved forward. You know, I started to realize if I, I had to keep myself in a positive state of mind because then my body would recover. And actually, it's sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you saw recovery, then you would be in a more positive state of mind anyway. But there were lulls. It wasn't a straight journey from the toe flick moving up. There was, was regressions. There was yeah. you know, times where I'd even go backwards. There still is, you know. But I knew that I had to keep myself in a positive state of mind. That came through like distractions, having fam- fam- friends and family around. Like you realize how important your support network is when you actually have to lean on them. Having mates in the room every day, all of those things that a lot of people on the ward didn't have there were people on the spinal unit oh, for the two and a half three months i was there no one came and visited them oh, and you just think you just assume everyone's got people right mm. but they'd wanted to they wanted to lie in bed and they wanted to take as many drugs as they could in the morning and just forget they were even there and i don't mm. blame them that correlation between support network and something to live for and something to get better for and the people putting the effort in mm. was really obvious to me did you just go when that moment your toe flicks were you by yourself? Were you with someone? Was your mum there? How, what, what happened? Did you suddenly go, oh my God, something's moved? <laughs> yeah, I was by myself, but um, I was in intensive care, so you're never by yourself, really. Yeah. And uh, it moved, and then it moved again. And by this point, I was just like a head on a pillow. Like, I, my, oh my, my God. My, is... <laughs> my body's there, but it doesn't feel like it's part of me. And I can remember... Does it ha- itch or anything? No, mm. no sensation at all. But you, you did... Some people get phantom pain, like neurological pain. I'm really mm. lucky I didn't have that. Um but I would stare at my foot and I'd remember how to move it, obviously. So I'd close my eyes, move it, move it, move it. And then you think it's moving, you'd open your eyes, you'd still be moving it, nothing's happening. Mm. But then one day I opened my eye, one morning I opened my eyes and it was moving. And then it went again, then it stopped. And I was like, oh, it's a fucking spasm because I was having spasms. Yeah. And I did it again and again. And then I was like, mum, get in here. My mum was sat <laughs> yeah, yeah. outside. I was like, look oh, at this. I can move. Tony's <laughs> oh moving. my fucking God. Like, That's the most, enga- it filled me yeah. with such like, yeah and it's it's amazing that was that was the most powerful emotion i've ever felt in my life Mm, apart from getting married of course (laughs) but no yeah yeah. and this podcast yeah and this podcast um wait can you try and bottle that for us what is it what is it i mean it was just like i never i never truly thought it was going to happen but by that point i'd even i'd already put so much effort into because i even though i wasn't physically moving it was the most tiring thing i've ever done that intense concentration for like Mm. an hour trying to wiggle your foot and then you just pass out for like an hour so tired then wake up and do it again and you're just doing it over and over again and after three days you know after that nine uh, seven day period nine day period when i decided i was going to go for it nothing had happened of course you're losing hope mm-hmm. you're just like but i have to keep trying um and then it happens and then that is like that was the turning point that was the switch it was like well that means all the rules are out the window they've told, yeah, me, that, they've told me that was never going to happen so what else can happen and I never knew how much would come back, but I just went on a mission to get as much as I could. There must be something almost physiological that happens. Obviously, that's psychological. That's you believing, believing, believing. I'm guessing if that like kind of rewrites and it strengthens each time you think about it, mm. it strengthens that neural pathway until it 
connects again or something. Again. Well, look, you can only recover to within the scope of your injury. Like yeah. if I'd had a completely severed spinal cord, there's no. Then I can't magic a connection, no. right? But there was still yeah, enough of my. Just spinal. Don't follow the rule book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Elon Musk might be able to with one of his computer chips. That's happening now. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Did I say Lionel Musk? Lionel Musk. Lionel Musk. Did I? That'd be an interesting love child. Lionel Musk. Interesting love child. But yeah, yeah, go, go. Yeah. You can't magic it. Them you together. can't. No, but you can only recover when you scope your injury. Uh, but the thing is, when you hear complete spinal cord injury, most of the time it's not because your spinal cord's severed, because it's like a bit of rubber. It's really hard to sever a spinal cord. And actually, if someone cuts their spinal cord clean in half, more, more often than not, they'll die. Mm. But a complete spinal cord injury just basically means you're not showing any recovery below that level of your injury. Right. And it means a cross section of the spinal cord has died. Um, but it could still be there physically. So they assumed mine had died, obviously, because half of it was actually physically cut and the rest of it they'd assumed had died. But obviously there was enough for messages to get through. And to answer your question about how fortunate, how lucky I've been, I would actually go back to hospitals and I was asked in the early stages to go back to hospitals because of the level of my injury and the scan results to have made any sort of recovery mm. was still baffling the doctors. So they were asking about what we were doing in terms of rehab and those sorts of things, trying to work it out. Um, and I still don't really know. It's neurological injuries. Like it's hard to map it. You know, it's not as physical as anything uh, as other things. And there's so much more that plays into it. Like we've just been speaking about the psychological side, which, um, but I just know I've been incredibly fortunate. Having said that, I've only been out, I could only work with what I already had and people do have worse spinal cord injuries than me. So they don't have that opportunity mm. to recover as well. How, how, how weak is it now? Your, as in your, your spinal injury, could, my, it, could it, is it still a... No, my neck's probably stronger than it was because I've got a titanium cage in there. Sick. Yeah, sick. <laughs> sick. Yeah. That's, that's actually like, baller. Can I do that job? Let's test it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually a lot stronger because I have a... Bionic man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want one of those now, don't you? <laughs> how, do you, how, yeah, do you yeah. how do you open doors now? Just with your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, so you have a titanium cage around it. Yeah, so, I mean, the operation is incredible. They had... Um, did it all through a microscope through this little cut in the front of my throat. But mm. I had to move all of the bits, like the muscles apart in my oh, neck Jesus. and they operate oh, to the back of your spinal cord. So they like use robots basically to go around, pick all the bits of bone out, disc out of my spinal cord mm. and then put the cage in, realign my neck because it was still dislocated. So uh, realign oh, the neck. God. And it was quite funny to realign my neck. They put calipers on the... I, I woke up and I had obviously... Stitch, you look like Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I, I had stitches down the top of my head, obviously from where my head hit the floor, the pool. Yeah. But I also had like eight stitches down either side of my head. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks later that the doctor admitted that when, they, when I was in hospital, they'd basically clamp your head and traction it. So they pull it away from your shoulders so they can put your neck back in line. So you, you, and you are six foot three, it's, now, it's, now yeah. you're six foot four. It yeah. slipped and scalped the side of my head. So in, you can just oh imagine also they're in the surgery going, oh, oh what? Fuck. Trying to patch yeah, your yeah, yeah. head back Fuck, together. you'll never know. He'll yes. never, lads, yeah. lads, he'll never know. He'll yeah, never yeah. know. Yeah. And it wasn't until my toes started flicking that he was like, okay, I can tell him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we've got to stop there for part one. We're going to come back to part two because we've got so many more things to talk about, especially because during lockdown, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you climbed the height of Everest on your stairs. Yeah, more my parents' stairs. I'm not stupid. I'm going to rent my own stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we'll talk about it in part two. Coming back for that. See you in a bit, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs> oh, Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.